Welcome to the Movie Planet. With Joe. These cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? And Joel. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. That music gets you hyped up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is like workout music almost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your host, Joe, and with me, as always, is the Joker to my Two-Face, oh. Joel. I gave you this Joker's card. Thank you. You are welcome, my friend. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. It stinks that we don't have JC here for this one. I know he wanted to do it. Yeah. JC had some family uh, obligations, if you will, Take to attend to. the boys. Yes. This week, I've nominated The Dark Knight for the Pantheon of comic book movies and also the trilogy of Nolan Batman films for the trilogy Pantheon. Uh, we have only one movie. Or one franchise in the trilogy pantheon, and it's Toy Story with an A minus overall rating. Uh, we gave Batman Begins an A minus, so we'll see what this one ranks out at, if it's higher or lower. Uh, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the pantheon in the future. So we're going to discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if this movie gets a high enough aggregate grade to be worthy of its place in the pantheon of comic book films. Uh, this is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen The Dark Knight, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, yes, right now, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion. Yeah, where have they been? Exactly. Well, maybe they're very, 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 very young. You know, five-year-olds, it's time to watch The Dark Knight. You kids. <laughs> but let's get to the business here. Let's get to our movie of the week. Here's a little uh, piece of the movie. This city just showed you that it's full of people ready to believe in God. Until their spirit breaks completely. Until they get a good look at the real Harvey Dent. Huh? And all the heroic things he's done. You didn't think I'd risk losing the battle for Gotham's soul in a fistfight with you. Oh, you need an ace in the hole. Mine's Harvey. What did you do? I took Gotham's white knight, and I brought him down to our level. It wasn't hard. See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. This week we're talking about 2010's or 2008's The Dark Knight, a rated PG-13 movie directed by Christopher Nolan and written by Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan. Story by David S. Goyer and Christopher Nolan. Uh, Goyer has stated before, I can't believe my name is on a movie this good. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was made for $185 million and brought in $1.005 billion. Yikes. This was the highest grossing Batman movie and, in fact, the highest grossing of any film adapting DC Comics characters. Both records were previously held by Batman 89. Really? Yes. Interesting. Uh, Batman 89 came out of nowhere. No, That movie was like, okay, let's try a Batman movie, and it caught like wildfire that summer. People I love Batman. 
Uh, this is starring Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Heath Ledger as the Joker, Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent, Michael Caine as Michael Caine as Alfred Pennyworth, Maggie Gyllenhaal as Rachel Dawes. Apparently, Katie Holmes turned down the role for the movie Mad Money. Smart. Eh. <laughs> Debatable. I'm trying to remember what Mad Money even was. I think Queen Latifah was in it. Oh, cripes. Turned it down for that. It was Queen Latifah and Diane, no, Diane Keaton, I think. My, oh, see, the only thing that's coming up for me is uh, the stocks show. <laughs> Jim Cramer. Um, oh, my goodness, yes. Sell, sell, sell. Katie Holmes, <laughs> Di- uh, Diane Keaton. Queen Latifah? Queen Latifah. Yes, I nailed it. <laughs> Ted Danson. Woo! Wow. Uh, Gary Oldman as James Gordon. Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Chin Han as Lau. Nestor Carbonell as The Mayor. Eric Roberts as Maroney. And hey, Cillian Murphy's back as uh, Scarecrow. Boo. For about two minutes. <laughs> According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 92%, 48 fresh reviews, and four rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 8.3 out of 10. Wait, so what, is, what constitutes a rotten? It's got to be below 6 out of 10. Would love to read those four reviews. Oh, they're a treat. In fact, let's go down Rotten Tomato Lane. (laughs) You want to jump on there? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Oh, here's one. Too much psychology and not enough pop. It's possible to be too serious, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I really felt like I was uh, just knee-deep in uh, (laughs) freaking psychology. Idiots. (laughs) Let's see what else. From the Independent. Uh, I have, this is the first time I've been to Rotten Tomatoes. I'm trying to navigate my way. This is an impressive film in many ways, and Nolan directs with real confidence. Yet the overall result feels cumbersome. Um, Here's one. Once firmly established, the bludgeoning pace of one Joker rampage after another pounds the film's careful, carefully detailed collaboration into mush. Hmm. The dark. I, I love the the dark night is noisy and jumbled and sadistic. <laughs> well, yeah, he's psychotic. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> Middling as a summer blockbuster, zero as art, and more than a bit alarming as a phenomenon. Fernando Croce had a problem that day. <laughs> Fernando. Take it easy, Fernando. Uh But then BET's uh, Clay Kane writes, Heath Ledger is Diana Ross, and these other kids are the Supremes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a fresh roll. Well done on that review, BET. Okay, uh, the audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 4.4 out of 5, with 94% agreeing it's a three or higher. The critic consensus reads, dark, complex, and unforgettable, The Dark Knight succeeds not just as an entertaining comic book film, but as a richly thrilling crime saga. I have to agree with everything that was said there. Yeah. Uh, It's trivia time. In preparation for his role as the Joker, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel room for about six weeks. During this extended stay of seclusion, Ledger delved deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself to developing the Joker's every tick, namely the voice and that sadistic-sounding laugh. For The Voice, Ledger's goal was to create a tone that didn't echo the work Jack Nicholson did in his 89 performance as the Joker. Ledger's interpretation of the Joker's appearance was primarily based on the chaotic, disheveled look of punk rocker rocker Sid Vicious, combined with the psychotic mannerisms of Malcolm McDowell's character, Alex DeLarge, from A Clockwork Orange. Heath Ledger directed both homemade videos that the Joker sends to the GCN himself. The first video involving the fake Batman was done under Christopher Nolan's supervision, 
Nolan thought Ledger had done so well with that sequence, he felt there was no need for him to be there when it came time to film the scene where reporter Mike Engel reads the Joker's statement. He put his trust in Ledger and let him do whatever he wanted, ultimately pleased with the result after he'd seen the outcome. Yeah, I, I read these last night before I watched it again, and I was like, these are, this is so like fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, fascinating. It, it's and I have the I have the movie, and I, I always look for the breaking uh, the making of, and I was like, I want to see the making of with Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on there of it. Really? There's just, he just did his own thing. Th- they never did a making a behind the scenes with Heath Ledger. Huh. Uh, thing which I guess just like out of respect, or I, I'm guessing so. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, his sudden death from drug toxicity on January 22nd, 20, 2008, prompted immediate speculation over the film's state and Ledger's disposition prior to death. See, soon after Ledger's death was announced, Warner Brothers issued a statement that verified that Ledger had finished all of his scenes in principal photography as well as post-production fulfillments, thus making the Joker his final completed film role. Rumors started to abound that playing the intense role had taken its toll on Ledger's, Ledger's mental state, causing him to become depressed and take a wrong combination of drugs as a result. However, his family has since put such rumors to rest by stating that far from being depressed, he had a lot of fun playing the role. Ledger did suffer from insomnia throughout his life and would often take sleeping pills together with other prescription drugs. Unfortunately, the mix he took on that night proved to be a fatal combination. Mm. And we lost a damn good actor. Yeah, and honestly, I think this is my only Heath Ledger movie I've ever seen. I never never watched any of his chick flicks or I never, like... um, what, what he plays a night's a night's well, tale? tale was always on TV, but it always was on halfway through. And I said, "Well, I'll wait for it to come on again." But I never caught it like at the beginning. But all my friends loved it. Yeah, um, I love like the like the stories of him like just skateboarding around the set. Yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> Get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a Han Solo. I'm sure he did the same thing. Get out of my way. <laughs> Come away, kid. <laughs> In his golf cart. In the documentary, I Am Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger's vocal coach on the film, Jerry Grinnell, stated that Heath had to continuously lick his lips due to his prosthetic coming off whenever he spoke. He eventually made this a tick of the character as he was filming. And honestly, very disturbing to see him ever do it every now and then. Well, someone was even saying that like that's something he did growing up. Like He kind of licked his lips anyways. Yeah. But... It had to be exaggerated for the role and because of the prosthetics. Yeah. And it reminded me of what they did in Harry Potter, the one guy that's always licking his lips. Yeah. Yeah. Only Heath Ledger did it so much better. He did a creepier. Yeah. It, it was a slower flicker. Well, it was also like more believable. Right. The guy in Harry Potter, you're like, okay, this is his character doing yeah. his thing. But he, like everything about that Heath Ledger does, you're like, hmm. <laughs> Maybe a little too believable. Uh, trouble, speaking of, trouble arose during a PR campaign before the movie's release when a website related to the film sent out several cakes purportedly from the Joker containing a cell phone inside, which made the cake vibrate and had wires sticking out, making the cake look like a bomb. One such news station, which received one of the cakes, believed it to be an actual terrorist act and the entire building had to be evacuated. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, this was the first comic book movie to reach the one billion dollar mark. Wait, really? Yes. Uh, uh, this is the first Batman movie without Batman in the title. Ooh. And it's the only Batman movie where Batman does not use a batarang. Sure enough. Damn. I wonder when this article was written. Cause, well, because I'm trying to remember if he used it in, uh, or if Batfleck used it at all. Uh, yes, he does. It, that's his first introduction. Is he shoots out the the lights in uh, uh, Batman v Superman with him before right. he scalds people. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this, Joel? Yeah, um, I remember seeing it in theaters, and this was like 
obviously it was a huge movie. Like everyone was anticipating this. I love the first movie. Yeah. Um, so I definitely had to see this one, and I was in a big time Batman mood. <laughs> um, but I just remember leaving in this being the movie. Like we couldn't wait for it to come out on DVD. Bought it immediately. Um, what about you? Uh, I. I had gone through a period with Batman Begins where I had nobody to talk to about it because nobody saw it where I was living in Florida. And uh, when this movie came out, I happened to be with my girlfriend, Lisa, at the time. And I was like, please, watch Batman Begins. I think you're going to like the movie. And we watched it, and immediately she got off the couch after the movie was over, grabbed her purse and her keys and said, what are you waiting for? Let's go see Dark Knight right now. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Done. And uh, went in. And then we watched it again the next day. We went to the theater again to watch it again. So it was such a good movie in theaters. Oh, had to, yeah. Uh, time for a summary. What is your summary of this movie in ten words or less, Joel? Batman meets his match with, uh, or what should I say, against with Batman meets his match with psychotic Gotham trickster. I like that. It's something like a good headline actually for yeah. a newspaper. Where's J. Jonah Jameson? Alliteration. <laughs> we need pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> Doc Octopus. That's my idea. (laughs) Okay, mine is a Joker, Gordon, and Batman destroy hope in form of dent. Ooh. Yes, they all contribute to it. Yeah. Uh, Time for a synopsis of this movie. We start, this is courtesy of Schmoop. Schmoop. If if you're familiar with Schmoop, or if you're not familiar with Schmoop, Schmoop is a website where if you need to get cliff notes for books, you go to Schmoop now. Okay. And they happen to do random movies every now and then. They happen to do The Dark Knight. So, business as usual in Gotham City. Masked men are seen staging a bank heist in broad daylight. As each criminal finishes his assigned task, he is killed by one of his partners until only the Joker is left. Buses leave and nobody notices the fact the bus was parked in a bank for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, but... Like, I know he hops out, like, with a bunch of other buses, but I was like, yeah, but it's the only one without kids on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one with a guy in clown makeup in the front seat, right? But I love how when it pulls out, like there just happens to be a space for the bus in between the in, two buses in and New a York line City of buses. Yeah. Or Chicago or whatever it's based off of. This is a fun scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I had a moment in this where I felt like you watching Men in Black. Where I was like, man, I'm watching some of critics hat on and I'm seeing all sorts of shit now. Yeah. And where, what was oh, William Fick- what was William Fickner doing in this movie? The guy that's like, yeah, like, I know you have that part. That's it. <laughs> I was actually I was literally just looking him up because um, I was like, what else is have I seen him in other than everything? Um, Did you ever see Go? Never saw Go. Okay, I feel like I've seen him in something like recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's in Independence Day Resurgence, Shooters. He's in. I feel like he's in something with The Rock. He's in Elysium. He was in Armageddon. Armageddon. Um, Date Night, Prison Break, Blades of Glory. Oh, he was in Turok, the video game. Oh. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'll find it. Yeah. And I'm just going to shout it in the middle of the show. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that conversation, Black Hawk Down. Um, no, no, he's, the, uh, he's one of the police officers in The Longest Yard. Okay. Every yeah, time I right. see him, I'm like, how do I know that guy? The yeah. longest yard. That's what it is, I think. Yep. Doesn't he, doesn't he Captain, play quor- Captain Knauer. Doesn't he play quarterback for the other team? Yeah. Yeah, okay. What a great movie. But that night, we find Lieutenant Gordon on the Gotham Police Department roof manning the bat signal. He comments that Batman doesn't show up most times, hopefully because he's busy. 
Out in the wilds of Gotham, the Scarecrow is selling fear-based hallucinogens to the Russian mob. The Russians are unhappy with the product, having not read, quote, this product will bring your nightmares to life, warning on the package. <laughs> Dude, you could not pay me to take a drug that brings my nightmares to no. life. Uh, the altercation is interrupted by a small army of Batman wannabes, most of whom sport demonstrable paunches. It doesn't go so well for them. <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> Batman makes an official appearance, and the whole pound the bad guys thing gets real. He begins by rescuing his mini-me's from some very scary dogs, then dispatches the local gangsters and the scarecrow. He leaves everyone trussed up for the police to sort out. Batman meets with Gordon on the bank site to discuss the money that's stolen and the possibility of a new DA in Harvey Dent bringing people to justice. Uh, did you believe that the fir- when you first see Batman in this, before it's the wannabe, that that was Batman? The first time, yeah. Yeah. And I, I was when I was watching the first time, I remember Lisa leaning over going, he's got a gun, that's not Batman. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, you're right. <laughs> you're perfect. <laughs> uh, but there's a few things. He does the drop from the, the top of the garage and mm. lands on the car. It's a very cool scene. It's an it. awesome scene, but he would have flipped right beyond that car. Yep. <laughs> as, as someone that just taught Newton's laws, you are 100% correct. Unless the car just parked itself at that point. Yeah. Now we get into the section called Big Harvey. Big Harvey. Yes. Alfred finds Bruce in an underground concrete chamber, serving as his headquarters while his mansion gets rebuilt, where he is sewing up an injury. From the dog. Yeah, it was a big dog. A big dog. <laughs> I love that exchange between him and Alfred. And this, these are some of the best exchanges between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, and the whole, uh, his speech about the tangerine later. Oh, yeah. Or the, the big ruby, whatever it was. Mm. Yeah. Bruce and Alfred discuss Rachel and her purported boot knocking with the new DA Harvey Dent. Alfred warns Bruce about his limits, though Bruce maintains that the Batman can't afford to have any. Hey, when he puts a shirt on, he looks beat to shit. <laughs> a lot of bruises. Yeah. Uh, over in the courthouse, Harvey Dent and Rachel cross-examine a mob goon who tries to shoot him mid-sentence. The gun jams and Mar- Harvey knocks him flat with one mighty blow. Behold the power of justice. <laughs> How did he get a weapon in there? <laughs> a great question. And that this was, Watching it this time, I was like, oh, man, like, Harvey, you're so cheesy. Like, in that scene... <laughs> Like he didn't know the gun was going to jam at first. He kept walking towards it. Yeah. I suggest you buy American. Oh, my gosh. What a goofball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jim Gordon meets Harvey at the DA's office. Harvey insists on meeting the Batman and generally has his cranky pants on about Gordon's special crimes unit. They make a passing joke about a nickname that GPD has for Harvey, but don't tell us what it is. We bet you can guess, though. Oh, no. <laughs> the next section is called Let's uh, Lock Up the Mob. Uh, Lucius Fox talks to the board of directors at Wayne Enterprises while Bruce catches some much-needed sleep at the other end of the table. <laughs> what? If you're in a meeting and your boss is sitting there sleeping... Yeah, like, what do you do? You just sit, you sit and you <laughs> wait for him to wake up. Yeah. Uh, it's all a sham, however, and when the others leave, Bruce pops up and tells Lucius to scuttle the deal. Mr. Lau stinks like low tide. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey and Rachel are at a fancy dinner when Bruce shows up to crash their date with a Russian ballerina on his arm. The four discuss Batman and why a city celebrates someone who should probably be in a rubber room. (laughs) (laughs) Later, the leaders of Gotham's underworld attend a meeting to basically wring their hands and wonder what they're going to do about this Batman guy. Mr. Lau joins them by closed-circuit TV, assuring them that their money is safe with him in Hong Kong. I don't know too many mobsters that would make the choice to say, let's send all of our money to a completely different country. Yeah, not many. (laughs) Especially in Gotham. It seems like they all... 
are more at that lower level mobster. Oh, I, I do love that. Like you have Gotham, yeah. who it's totally made up, but everywhere else, the exact same. <laughs> got Hong Kong. We got New York. Yeah, yeah. Gotham is a mix of New York, Chicago, and Metropolis all yeah, jammed in yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they like? model it after chicago or isn't that where they filmed it was filmed in chicago That's yeah it. yeah they filmed a lot of these movies in chicago uh let's see the joker interrupts the meeting killing one guy with a magic pencil trick <laughs> great scene <laughs> how about a magic trick <laughs> Ta-da! which what is he, does he slam the guy's head on the table and it goes through his eye socket is that what wanted, it is i've always wanted that like does it go through his eye does it just like go forehead yeah i think it goes through his eye socket I thought, I've always thought that, too. Uh, then, oh. then, then he offers to kill Batman for half of everything the mob has. Half. They balk, and one of them, Gamble, offers a million dollars for the Joker's head. And I, everything the Joker says in this is brilliant. 500000 for this clown <laughs> dead. A million if you can bring him to me alive, because I'm going to teach him some manners. <laughs> Something along those lines. After a while, he won't get a nickel for his grandma. <laughs> <laughs> But he also, I, I Gamble stands up and goes, what, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought he goes, no, no, I'm not crazy. Oh. <laughs> like, because he, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it when people call him crazy, does oh, he? No, that's right. It's when he says, uh, you think you can just walk out yeah, of here and have our stuff? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he says, so deadpan. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, this whole scene, I remember laughing. Yes. Because he's hilarious. He's darkly fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. Uh. He regrets this a short time later when the Joker sneaks into his headquarters, pretending to be his own dead body, then dispatches Gamble with a creepy and probably fake story about the Joker's father. And then he breaks up Woolstick in half, throws it to his minions on the floor, and says, we're going to have aggressive <laughs> aggressive uh, employment or whatever it is, or you can rise in my thing, whatever it is. I don't remember what the hell it was. I got the script on my thing. I could just read it. But Wait, He's like, we... Aggressive advancement. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but we only have a spot for one person. You guys fight it out with a pool stick. It was one broken pool stick in half with yes. like two very sharp edges and three people. Yes, and uh, the looks on all three of the guys' faces is clear fear. I'd be like, nah, just shoot me. That's fine. I'll, ta- <laughs> I'll take the bullet. Put a bullet in. <laughs> Harvey stands on the rooftop with the bat signal as Batman and Gordon appear. Lau managed to flee to China, a country that will not extradite a national. Harvey and Gordon argue a bit, and Batman diffuses it by offering to get Lau for them, if Harvey honestly thinks he can put Lau in prison. Bruce meets with Lucius Fox in the basement of Wayne Enterprises, the perfect place for clandestine skulking, where they discuss a solution for covertly airlifting a person without having to land the plane. He goes over armor, and he's sacrificing safety in his armor for the ability to move. Why wear the suit at all, then? (laughs) It's a good question. It's like, I had full-on armor, just give me some shin pads. Yeah. Like, that's not the right move, man. No. And some Heelys. Yeah. <laughs> Heelys. <laughs> now I'm picturing Batman just... Batman just going down like the parking garage, <laughs> getting to the bottom. That was the Dr. Freeze uh, movie oh <laughs> where they God. did the ice skating. I s- I'd actually never saw that one. Oh, really? Yeah, even though I do love Schwarzenegger. <sighs> I didn't love Schwarzenegger until well after that movie came out. Oh, well... That's college where we were like, we're all in on our... I believe that's on Netflix. Mm. Yes. Noted. Uh, Bruce Wayne heads out after Mr. Lau, covering it up by absconding with the entire ballet company on his yacht. He then sets off for Hong Kong, leaving Alfred to fend off those vicious ballerinas by himself. (laughs) He doesn't look like he's too upset having to put uh, suntan lotion on all of them. 
Fox arrives in Hong Kong where he meets with Lau. He leaves a dummy phone at the front desk, then informs Lau that Wayne Enterprises cannot do business with him. If they're taking phones in the lobby for security purposes and Fox shows his phone on the way out, wouldn't they stop him to check his phone? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> and also, there's a metal detector he has to go through. Wouldn't the phone have set off the metal detector? I don't. I mean, we have to put him in like a Bridgestone and in concert arenas. You have to put your uh, phone in the basket. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it would. Yeah, that's it, a good point. It's, sure. the, and here's the thing. I was thinking about this after watching. I was like, you know, a lot of these are nitpacking. But then I was like, nitpicking after a while, piles, it piles up. Yeah. Uh, he, he runs into Bruce on a crowded street tunnel where he explains that the phone he left sends a radar pulse that will allow him to map the building and pinpoint Mr. Lau's location. Sonar, like a submarine, Mr. Wayne. Like a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Batman broods at the tippy top of a Hong Kong skyscraper for a bit. By the way, that was actually Christian Bale up there. Really? He wanted to be up there himself to do that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, then he swoops into Law's little, for- Law's little fortress and takes him for a ride using that nifty airlifting thing that he and Fox discussed back at Wayne Enterprises. Uh, three hip hip hoorays for uh, timing. Because mm-hmm. that plane just happened to be going across at that exact moment. Well done. <laughs> that, this whole movie's timing. I mean, we talked about from jumping down in the parking garage to, I mean, there, dang, how many other things are there? Because I was like, there's that. I, I remember there's watching everything the Joker plans. Yeah. It's all timing. Yeah. There's, there are like so many things that the Batman does, they like where he lands or he jumps or something. I'm like, that was super cool. Would it ever work that way in the timing? In real life, no, but super, super cool. But in a comic, and I have read a lot of comics lately because I own that Marvel Unlimited pr- mm-hmm. package now. I read them now thinking of them as movies, mm-hmm. like I'm watching, reading storyboards, right? which is kind of an interesting way to do it. And uh, I said, I, I, like today, I was after watching Dark Knight, my, I was sitting there going, wow, there's a lot of timing problems. And I was like, all these comics are all based on the fact that they're in the right spot, the right time, all the yeah. time. And so I have to forgive it in that way because it's a comic book movie. You're right. Uh, <clears throat> Gordon discovers Lau neatly gift-wrapped on the steps of the <laughs> GCPD. Rachel questions Lau and is delighted to discover that they can indeed get to the mob by prosecuting Lau under the RICO law, which is an actual law that Rico. was used in the 70s to bring down the American mafia. Oh, it was. High fives and arrest warrants all around. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to, here comes the Joker. The mob leaders decide to hire the Joker just as Gordon crashes the party and arrests everybody. They all happen to be in the same place. (laughs) Mayor Garcia congratulates Harvey on getting hundreds of mobsters indicted at once, but makes it clear that Harvey's got to stay on the golden path. Otherwise, it all goes up in a puff of smoke. A body hanged by a noose hits the window while they talk. It belongs to one of the copycat Batman from the beginning of the film. The one wearing hockey pads. Yeah, the fat one. Actually, it was a catcher's pad, wasn't it? I thought, I thought he says, I'm not. No, I, I th- it's probably a catcher's pad. Yeah. I think he says, I'm not wearing hockey pants. Oh, I thought he said pads, but maybe your pants. Uh, I've been, I've been, I listened to it a few times. It might be hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it says pads. His voice really messed it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a mixed martial arts.com says pads or pants. <laughs> so they're they're having the debate as well. What'd he say? <laughs> Gosh, it's funny that this is a 
a thing. Yeah, <laughs> like there are people that are debating it, as we are now. Bruce and Alfred watch in horror, along with the rest of Gotham, as a tape airs showing the t- Joker torturing and killing the copycat. He threatens to keep killing people until Batman reveals his identity. Because that's what all these uh, people want. Just show us who you are. Yeah. Yet nobody knows who the Joker is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he's a local, I don't know. I do. I, the thing that has bothered me for the longest time about Batman is just like the same thing that <laughs> with Jingle All the Way. It's like, that's your dad. <laughs> like, like you, we notice celebrities with hoodies up and sunglasses, yeah. but you cover guys' eyeballs <laughs> with his mask. You're like, I don't know. That's the richest person in town. <laughs> Every, everyone's so gosh darn hideous in Gotham, except for the main characters. Well, we'll go with uh, Batman Begins, Rachel, and Christian Bale, that they're not like, hey, there's another attractive person that looks just like the only other attractive person in our city. I wonder if Batman knows Bruce Wayne. There is a there is a hysterical thing that happens in Ready Player One that is all about that. Really? Yeah. It takes place, and I ah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, JC gave me the book, and I'm halfway through my last book that I'm reading, and I promised him that I would read Ready Player One next. Uh, essentially, he gets a he gets an Easter egg. You know what Easter eggs are, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. He gets yes, an yes, Easter, yes. he gets an Easter egg from this girl in the in the Oasis in the internet. Uh, and she goes, "Here, put these on. They're Clark Kent glasses. They won't change how you look, but no one will recognize you." Yes. <laughs> And he puts them on, and he literally, his hair changes a different color, but everything else stays the same. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Okay, Bruce arrives in the helicopter at the fundraising party he's throwing for Harvey, three gorgeous women in tow, and makes an elegant speech about why Harvey Dent is the future of Gotham City. Rachel and Bruce have an intense discussion about their possible future if Harvey can clean up the city. Gordon finds out that the Joker is targeting Judge Cirillo, uh, Commissioner Loeb, and Harvey Dent. Then he tries to secure their safety. Harvey and Rachel talk about their future. Rachel waffles, and then Bruce suddenly appears and puts Harvey to sleep or hold to lock him in a closet. <laughs> Poor Harvey, man. What are you doing? The more I watch this movie, like the kind of the worse I feel for Harvey. I'm like, dang, <laughs> man. Cirillo's car blows up. Commissioner Loeb drinks from a poisoned glass, and the Joker crashes the fundraiser all at the same time. You guys ready to play a little defense? <laughs> <laughs> The Joker torments Bruce's guests as Bruce slips off to grab his tights. <laughs> Rachel stands up to the Joker, who tells her a scary and probably fake story about his scars. <laughs> <laughs> Batman shows up, and Joker monologues for a bit before throwing Rachel out a window. Rachel pl- or Bla- Batman plunges after her and manages to slow both of their falls and save them. He actually does not slow their falls. No, he does not. They just hit the car, (laughs) and she's okay. He's like, his wings come out, and maybe that slows him down. But he's like, I'm going to just roll backwards, and my spine is going to break this fall. (laughs) But because you're on top of me, it'll somehow cushion the blow. I don't know exactly how the physics work. I don't know how Kevlar really uh, interacts. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) Absorbs the shock. And the Joker gets away, as that childhood Jingle Bells riff once warned us. You're right. Dang, we should have seen that one coming. He literally just walks out. Like, nobody stops him. I mean, I, I wonder if, like, people were just so terrified. Well, he has to leave the party. I'm just, how does he get out? <laughs> Takes the hell. What if you just, like, while they're getting up off the car, you just see him, like, walk out of the lobby and across the street and get into a cab? <laughs> this is mine. Or get on a bicycle <laughs> and ride the opposite direction. That would be amazing. See him just ding, 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 ding. 
<laughs> okay, this one's called We Gotta Nab This Guy. Gordon's sure that no one will stand up and do the right thing now. Then Harvey appears ready to fight, so that answers that question. <laughs> Alfred and Bruce discuss the Joker with Alfred, opining that the Joker couldn't care less about normal bad guy things like money and power. Tells us a little story about the uh, his time in the army, I guess. It was the army or when he was hunting down people in like the, the jungle. I oh, forget about that part. Yeah. Gordon Bur- busts into a tenement where the bodies of two Joker victims lie, decomposing. Mm. Batman investigates the scene while Gordon discovers that the Joker's next target is Mayor Garcia. Alfred and Bruce run forensic inv- evidence in hopes of finding the Joker. Oh, look, they're doing detective stuff. Hey, about time. About time. <laughs> That's what DC stands for, Detective <laughs> Comics. <laughs> oh, snap, you're right. <laughs> Lucius Fox meets with the accountant from Wayne Enterprises who threatens to reveal that what he's discovered about applied sciences. He's convinced that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but Lucius shuts him down by suggesting that Batman may not be intimidated by blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to blackmail this man? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Bruce, by the way, what I hate about that scene is Morgan Freeman's Lucius Fox basically confirms to the guy, you're correct, Everything is true, and the guy never says boo the rest of the movie. I wouldn't. But there's people's lives at stake later on. That's fair. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, for, first of all, in the third movie, when they're all about taking down the 1%. You know, I've only seen that movie once. Really? Yeah. I, every time I just keep coming back to this one. Yeah. Well, this is... The Golden Goose. And I think, like, the entire time in the third movie, I'm, like, staring at, um, I'm staring at Bane trying to find, um, Hardy's character in it. Like, okay. I feel like he, his body transformed so much, like, I couldn't recognize him. I don't see Tom Hardy at all. No. So, like, I spent the entire movie watching, I was like, is that Tom Hardy? Yeah. That's not Tom Hardy. It looks more like Kane from WWE. It 100% it does. <laughs> Who is running for, uh, running for office in Knoxville. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, during the off-wrestling seasons, he would work in politics. These WWE guys, they love their politics. Well, they've been working the microphone in the crowds for years. <laughs> they know what to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce travels to the... the Rock. Yep. 2020? 2020. <laughs> Bruce... The, tra- hey, what? the decision's clear. <laughs> Johnson 2020. Johnson 2020. Johnson Hanks, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, what? my gosh. That was on SNL. They, they made a joke about that. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> I've seen those T-shirts. Bruce travels to the address, his address, his forensic analysis points to, just as the parade for Commissioner Loeb's memorial commences. Bruce discovers the honor guard bound and gagged in an abandoned building. Guess how the Joker is going to kill the mayor? I don't know. (laughs) Gordon leaps in front of the bullet intended for Mayor Garcia, apparently killing him. Apparently. Uh, They don't say he's dead, Marble. (laughs) They let you guess. In the confusion, Harvey manages to sequester one of the gunmen alone. Gordon's dead. Everyone's shocked. And Big B goes looking for some answers. Batman crashes Maroney's club and pummels a large private security force before tossing Maroney himself off the roof. Harvey does some questioning on his own, flipping a coin to intimidate the, his apprehended gunman and threatening to kill the man if, he, if Tails comes up. Batman appears and is not happy with Harvey doing the sort of thing that he himself does all the time. Batman informs Harvey that no one can ever see him pounding on bad guys like this. Otherwise, all those mobsters they landed in jail will get out. <laughs> yeah. 
Batman decides to turn himself in, then departs. Harvey yells after him that he can't give in, displaying a level of crankiness that some would find disturbing. One might. You can't give in! (laughs) Harvey Dent holds a press conference concerning the Joker's demand. When the crowd cries for blood, Harvey claims that he is the Batman and turns himself over to the police. I'm liking this Harvey guy right now. Bold strategy, Cotton. Guy's got a... (laughs) That's some good family fun. (laughs) (laughs) See how it pays off. (laughs) Rachel... (laughs) Rachel leaves a note for Bruce explaining that she's going to be with Harvey. Boo. Let's see what she said here. Uh, okay. She says, no, thanks. She got run by the store. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> oh, she leaves a note for Bruce explaining that she's going to be with Harvey. He's going to have to be happy with the cape and tights. Alfred promises to deliver the note. Rachel meets with Harvey as he's being taken away. Hargy, Har- Hargy. Harvey. 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 Harvey gives his coin to Rachel, and she sees that it has two heads, allowing him to win any manner of bar bet on a whim. (laughs) Oh. The GCPD transports Harvey Dent through the streets of Gotham before being diverted down a detour thanks to a fire truck engulfed in flames lying across their path. Red flag. (laughs) The Joker attacks the caravan with a huge 18-wheeler and quickly makes mincemeat out of the cops. Batman rides to the rescue and doesn't even let the disabling of the Batmobile dissuade him. The, by the way, also, like, the coolest Batmobile we've ever seen. Yes. I forgot to mention that earlier. Yeah. Hands down the coolest Batmobile that's ever been made. We thought the f- in the in Batman Begins it was. Yeah. There have been upgrades. Yes. <laughs> it's he, when, like, the Hummer came back and we were like, yeah, let's make it a tank on the road. Yeah. The fact that the tank turns into a bike, the way that that comes out is awesome. Uh, Batman rides to the rescue and doesn't even... Okay, he flips that 18-wheeler over but crashes his bike after the Joker dares him to kill him. Gordon reveals himself by pointing a loaded gun at the Joker before the Joker can knife the caped crusader. Surprise! He was alive all along! What? Harvey has a brief encounter with the press and Ramirez puts him in a car home. (laughs) She has a troubled look on her face that certainly doesn't foreshadow anything bad. (laughs) Nope. Mayor Garcia steps by the MCU, or G, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what MCU stands for. It's not the mayor, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'll tell you that. To congratulate Gordon and makes him commissioner. I think it's supposed to be the GCPD. Oh, maybe. Yeah, but this is where Gordon becomes Commissioner Gordon now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Then we have anarchy in the Gotham City. Uh, commissioner Gordon tries to question an uncooperative Joker about why Harvey never arrived home. Major Crimes Unit is the MCU. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay. When that goes nowhere, he leaves the room to let Batman take a turn. Uh, the Joker opines that there's nothing all the different about the two of them and that Batman's going to have to kill somebody if he wants to save Harvey. And Rachel, who was apparently nabbed too. <laughs> Such great scenes. Yeah. The, the, clap, the clapping scene that he does was improv. Yeah, it, it wasn't I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after some heavy threats that seem to go nowhere, the Joker reveals Harvey and... Ra- By the way... He says he's going to have to kill somebody to break his... That's the one rule he has, right? Mm-hmm. Did he kill a bunch of people in that tunnel when he was chasing down the Joker? <laughs> Ooh, there's a good chance of that. I mean, he was rolling over cars with he people in them. He didn't to kill them. <laughs> uh, for those people that say, Batman doesn't kill people. Yeah, he does. He can't just <laughs> wait. Well, Not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so after some heavy threats that seem to go nowhere, 
Uh, the Joker reveals Harvey and Rachel's locations. They're in two separate buildings. And Batman sets off to rescue Rachel while Gordon speeds towards Harvey's location. Harvey awakens, surrounded by barrels of explosives, with Rachel in the same predicament. And they can talk to each other over the radio. Oh, he left the baby monitor. That, which, yeah, that's great. This, at this point watching the movie, I was like, oh, this is the end of the movie. That's the same, same here. Like, which is like, I'm starting to learn, I don't know if like my attention span's getting lower, but every movie I watch now, like, or maybe I'm just getting older where I'm like, watch, look at my watch, I'm like, this has to be the end, right? <laughs> like, well, this like, is like, this is like the hour and 45 minute mark. Oh, this is a long movie, isn't it? Yeah, this is the hour 45 minute mark, and it's a two hour and 15 minute movie. Sheesh. So one would think at this point, they're going to end this it. This is the end. They're going to end it with Harvey turning into Two-Face, and they'll right. go into the next movie with that. But, no, we're going to continue. <laughs> uh, I forgot where we are. Oh, the Joker engineers a master escape, first by holding a policeman hostage with a broken shard of mirror, then detonating an explosive he kept hidden in the stomach of one of his henchmen downstairs. Wow. Yeah. Like, he's almost... The thing about the Joker is he's, like, incredibly endearing. And then you realize you're falling for it like everybody else. Like, no, he's a, he's a sociopath. He's a psycho. I want my phone call. Yeah, like, <laughs> this dude is so wrong. I love when he asked the guy that's guarding him, how many of your friends did I kill? And the guy goes, you killed seven of my friends. Seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> he nabs Mr. Lau and takes off, reveling in the anarchy he's caused. Ba Anarchy. Batman Anarchy. arrives. <laughs> Gattaca! Batman arrives at Rachel's location only to discover that the Joker switched locations. Ha ha! There is no <laughs> Rachel, only Harvey. Batman rescues Harvey in the Rachel. nick of time, but Harvey's face is badly burned. Only 50% of it. That's some choosy gasoline, earning him yeah. a free ride in Mystery Ambulance. <laughs> Rachel! Rachel! Gordon arrives at the. <laughs> Is that what's that from other than this movie? <laughs> Have you ever seen that like Batman, like Batman kid or like the Batman dad or whatever? Like the little kid that's walking around his yes. house. Yes. In the Batman costume, he just like looks like everybody like Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> Gordon arrives at the other location too late to keep Rachel from joining the dead girlfriends we must avenge club. Sad. Yes. Batman finds Harvey's lucky coin with one of its heads now pitted and scarred. Symbolism. Huh. <laughs> he leaves it with Harvey in his hospital room. Gordon visits an altered Harvey Dent. His scars are terrible, and he wallows in the reality of the cruel nickname the GPD had for him, Harvey Two-Face. This Say looks, it! This looks awesome. Oh, gosh. I didn't expect him to reveal it like this. This was a for sure shock when yeah. I saw this in theaters. I couldn't believe how bad it was, like not like how good the CGI is. You like, see his teeth through his cheek. And apparently, it was they just put dots on his face, and that was truly all computer on top. Wow! It was there was no prosthetics or anything. It was just good for them. Wild. Uh, the eyeball itself creeps me out. Yeah. Like, I, I, and I was watching. I was like, doesn't he have to like spray it every now and then with water to keep it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I got to feel those tear ducts are gone with the skin gone. Yeah. Uh, the Joker burns half of his money, and cuts up one of the last mobsters standing in the way of his hold on the underworld. That angry accountant at Wayne Enterprises shows up on the evening news, ready to reveal Batman's identity. While burning up all the money the mob gave him, along with Mr. Lau, the Joker calls into the news show and tells them he doesn't want anyone knowing who Batman is. What the hell's worth this guy? <laughs> he just wants to screw with people. Yep. <laughs> 
He threatens to blow up a hospital unless some good citizen out there murders the Wayne Enter- Enterprises accountant. Yikes. This guy's a walking would you rather. <laughs> <laughs> Someone tries, but Bruce stops them through the timely sacrifice of a really expensive Lamborghini. Gosh, that is sad. Yeah. I'm not a car guy, but what a sad scene. Really is. My question is, is how did he know which hospital to get to? Mm. <laughs> I mean, Gotham's kind of small, right? How many hospitals are there? Well, they said one of. Oh. So more than one. I don't question Batman. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> Not I'll this question th- the others. Yeah. Well, question Val Kilmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, that whole hospital blowing up thing is still on. The Joker pays a friendly visit to Harvey in the hospital and gives him the push he needed to really go nuts. The freshly minted Harvey, Two-Face, heads out to get even with Maroney, and the Joker blows the place to kingdom come. His exit's amazing. Yes. And for a guy who hates plans, the Joker has constructed the most convoluted plan of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he can say, I don't, I don't have a plan. You clearly do. You 100% have a plan. <laughs> You're like the Kevin McAllister of comic book movies. Yes. Like yes. how long I would love to see the movie where it's just the Joker like wheeling in barrels to a warehouse and like checking batteries and like going to CVS to make sure that they have batteries. Flipping paint cans over the rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the movie we need, DC. Yeah. But the scene where he's walking out of the, the hospital. The improvised like <laughs> it won't blow up. Yes. <laughs> uh, worst looking nurse ever. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I like these odds. <laughs> the Joker has another video to share with Gotham. This time he tortures the news anchor who was willing to reveal Batman's secret identity. His message? He has taken control of Gotham, and he will make the rules. Gotham City goes berserk, setting the stage for the final conflict. It's the final countdown! <laughs> Batman versus the Joker. Here we go. Here it is. This is it. This is what we've all been waiting for. Two-Face takes down the corrupt cops who kidnapped him, and Rachel then settles Maroney's hash with a literal flip of the coin. Fox walks into the vast room at Wayne Tower, filled with monitors and a single chair. Thanks, Dr. Evil. No. (laughs) Thanks to the technology Fox used to help him nab Lau. Batman has turned every cell phone in Gotham into a camera to find the Joker. Oh, and that became way too real. Well, uh, yeah, big brother. Thank you. The sad thing is that actually then happened. You can do this. Remind me to tell you a story later. Okay. Fox is not (laughs) down with the plan, which is cool with Bruce, provided he gets a little help on this one task. Got a little help for my friends. All I need is... (laughs) (laughs) The Joker reveals his endgame. Two fairies. Love this scene. One full of criminals and one full of normal citizens are wired with explosives. Each one has the detonator to the other. Like, this is the perfect psychology... Like. The mix of this psychology is perfect in the movie, which totally nullifies. Like, that person can have that review, but this scene specifically is not too much psychology. No. This is an amazing part of the movie. I love this scene because I have a feeling that when they were figuring out how to do the plot for this movie, this was the first scene they came up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the kind of torture he would put Gotham through. Right. Because you're right. It is. This is the ultimate would you rather. You make them their own worst enemies. Yeah. Uh, the Joker will spare whichever fairy blows up the other one first, or blow them both up if neither one has acted before midnight. I, and I love the fact that they went through both boats. Mm-hmm. You could see what was going on in both boats. Yes. Uh, 
Batman crashes his party, stopping the nearby SWAT team from accidentally killing the wrong people, then watching with the Joker as neither fairy blows up. He trips up the Joker before the clown can blow up both fairies. He even saves the Joker's life by catching him with his grappling gun as the Joker plummets to his doom. It seems like we might have a victory. Hard one for the good guys until the Joker points out that Harvey's officially gone around the bend. And what I love is Batman thinks he has him. When he when they do the countdown, and here we go. And nothing happens. And it turns out both boats decide to save the other one. Mm-hmm. And the look on the Joker's face of, I think I might have lost, is great. And then Bat- he had that thing that shot out from his arm. The Joker did? No, Batman. Oh, Batman. Does. Yeah. He shoots at his face, and he doesn't. I, we don't see the scars on his face from it or anything, but the way that it was showed earlier in the movie when he holds up the, the armband and it flings off and sticks into like the metal wall. Yeah. I was like, you probably could have taken his face off. Yeah, probably could have just killed him. Or that. Yeah. But Batman doesn't kill, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Minnie Me loves chocolate. <laughs> Scotty don't. Uh, Joker loves killing people. Batman don't. It seems... Okay, so Gordon arrives when where Harvey is holding his family hostage, the gutted warehouse where Rachel died. Sad. Yeah. Harvey, Gordon, and Batman have a tense game of it's all your fault in front of Gordon's terrified family. It's all your fault. It's all your (laughs) fault. It's all your fault. Harvey flips his scarred coin, now the only way he makes decisions, and shoots Batman when the bad side comes up. He then flips again with the gun pointed at his own head. The clean side comes up. Finally, he points his gun at Gordon's son, intending to punish the boy for Gordon's failure. Before he can fire, Batman tackles him. Body armor works, kids. And the trio goes toppling over the side of the building. Batman saves Gordon's son, but Harvey plummets to his death. Batman decides to take the rap for everything Harvey did as Two-Face in order to maintain the honor of Harvey Dent. Gordon reluctantly agrees to hunt him. We see Alfred burning Rachel's final letter and Fox destroying the phone sonar device as Batman rides off into the night alone. And that's the movie. Now it's time for the segment we called to the awards. Get it right. Academy Awards. It was eight nominations. Two wins. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Many believe that one of the key reasons why the Academy moved them from five Best Picture nominations to ten was because two of the best received films of that year, The Dark Knight and Wally, were not among the five nominees. I didn't realize that. And so the next year, they, they made it ten. Oh. Yeah. Uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role, Heath Ledger wins. Uh, the first time... Uh, an Academy Award has been awarded in a major category to a comic book movie. Earned. I would say so. He was up against Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Award. Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder. Um. How did he get nominated? Going blackface. I oh, have no idea. It was because he was amazing. <laughs> and it's going to be in my bottom three. But if you <laughs> ever... There are two ways that you can uh, trigger some people that I knew growing up. The first one was to tell them that their replacements is a better football movie than Remember the Titans. And the other (laughs) is to say, yeah, well, the only reason Robert Downey Jr. didn't win the Oscar is because Heath Ledger died. That is, I had a lot of fun with those two statements. Yeah, Heath Ledger won this one. Yeah, I mean, he won it, but did he earn it really? He earned this one. Gosh, I will say this. Robert Downey Jr., better quotes. What? 
Cover me, you lip dick gumps. <laughs> Gosh, no. Watch Tropic Thunder and try not to laugh. I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> smell like, smell just like bologna for some reason. <laughs> when you were riding booty sweat, were you picturing yourself dangling your dice on Lance's forehead? I watched it last night. It's so good. <laughs> it's amazing. No, it is like, like if... No, I will say, like, Heath Ledger obviously deserved this, and he made an awesome character. But I've always wanted to see a true, like, comedy character win an Oscar. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. did great. I love this. I love Tropic Thunder. It's, it's a brilliant movie. It is. Yeah. It, it's a shame that more people haven't caught on to that movie. Yeah. It's be, I mean, they pushed about every button you could. Oh, they went Blackface, the R word. They they did everything they could to piss off and offend anybody out there. Everyone. And apparently they did because it was out of the movies after like three weeks. Man, I love that. But it got nominated for an Academy Award. <laughs> uh, best Achievement in Cinematography. This is the year Slumdog Millionaire decided to take home everything. I still need to see that. I've heard it's amazing, and I've been called Shrumdog Millionaire on many different <laughs> Uh, athletic teams, so I need to probably see it. It was nominated for Best Achievement in Art Direction, Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, Best Achievement in Film Editing, Sound Editing. It won for Sound Editing. Uh, we still don't know what the difference between editing and mixing is. No. Uh, it was nominated for Visual Effects, but Benjamin Button won. Yeah, this was a big Benjamin Button year, too. Yeah. I never saw that one. And uh, Makeup, Ben Button won again, which you're going to give it to those. You just shoot the movie backwards. It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, Golden Globes. <laughs> 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 Duh, didn't anyone think of that? <laughs> it's Golden Globes. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Globes, Heath Ledger wins for uh, supporting role. I'll be honest with you, that was not a supporting role. He was the main guy in this movie. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, but Downey, or Tropic Thunder got two nominations here. One for Tom Cruise and one for Robert Downey Tom Jr. Tom Cruise. Another great part of the movie. <laughs> this, I'm telling you, this movie resurrected two careers. And I, I mean, Iron Man did well for Robert Downey Jr. Yep. But I don't think that you make the road trip movie that has Robert Downey Jr. if it's not for Tropic Thunder. Yeah. You don't have half of the Tom Cruise movies that's come out since then if it weren't for Tropic Thunder. Because this was right after he went crazy jumping on the couches, getting married to Katie Holmes, getting into Scientology. Everyone had written Tom Cruise off as yeah. a maniac. And he pops up out of nowhere. I know people that have watched Tropic Thunder twice and didn't know that uh, Tom Cruise was uh, Les Grossman until the second or third time. I didn't know it until about the last, I would say, a quarter of the movie when I started recognizing the voice. Could it could it be maybe the best uh, in credits segment in any in any movie like Top Ten? Oh yes, where they're playing Get Back by Ludacris and Tom <laughs> Cruise is just dancing in fat suit. Definitely. Uh, yeah, my favorite. Sorry, he's, this turned into Tropic Thunder. My favorite movie. line from that movie, by the way, is his first line that he says, which is, "Where's the key, Greg? Where's the key, Greg? <laughs> you punch him in the face." <laughs> <laughs> really hard. <laughs> okay, onto the Saturn Awards. Uh, it won for best action adventure thriller film. Uh, it was nominated for best actor. It was nominated for best actress. It was nominated for best costume. It was nominated for best director. Nominated for makeup. It won for music. Hans Zimmer won there. And uh, again, well deserved. Uh, it was nominated for special. Or it won for special effects. It won for supporting actor. It won for best writing. No Razzie awards. That's Good. plus. Good. Yep. 
But we're in the year 2018. What did you think after watching this film, Joel? Um, I still love it. Yeah. It's it's still so good. It's and still really captivating. It's funny. Like, there are things that I always didn't like about it early on, like when I was a teenager, that I was like, this part annoys me, this annoys me. And they didn't annoy me now because maybe I'm just an adult and I understand how certain uh, social roles work. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think I liked it more now than I did when I was a kid, which is surprising because usually it's the other way around. Well, this was, what, 10 years ago? So you were what? 10? 16. 16, yeah. 16, yeah. Uh, yeah, I drove to this movie. Marvel doesn't make movies like this, mm. so it's it's kind of refreshing to cleanse the palate with mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, especially with you, you just went through all those Marvel movies. And it's like, okay, yeah. I watched a film now. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> uh, Nolan made comic films; they were not movies. Uh, okay, on to the next segment titled "Top Three, Bottom Three. This is where we pick our top three things we love or scenes that we like in this movie, and then we choose three things we dislike about the film or that we find the weakest. We'll start with the top three. Joel, I can't wait to hear yours. What are they? Um, I'm going to give you my top three as soon as I pull up my notes here. Yep. Um, I was typing them in bed last night. Um, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, <laughs> Batman. With all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. <laughs> uh, my number three still casting. Yeah. Um, especially Alfred. Alfred and Bruce together, their interactions, they're, it's all of them are amazing. Mm-hmm. The casting in this movie is great. Um, I'll actually expand on the only things that I don't like about the casting in a minute. Um, and the improved gadgets. They took things that were amazing in Batman Begins, where you watch Batman Begins and you're like, yes, that is how uh, the Batarang was. That is how the Batmobile should have looked. That is how this should have been. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that they're making it legitimate. And I mean, I remember people were buying like Batman stuff online because they were like the the Batman uh, throwing stars. They're like, these are so cool. I yeah. mean, they were selling them in our mall, like at the like kiosks. Yeah. Um, now they sell fidget spinners. Hmm. How many of those Batman things became fidget spinners at some point? Oh man, <laughs> they would have. Uh, my number two, the music. The music's amazing. Hans Zimmer. Um, this is top five. Top five yeah. movie scores of my recent memory. And my number one is the villain. You cannot beat the Joker. Nope. There's n- I can't... The The only person... The only villain that I can think comes close to this is uh, J.K. Simmons' character in Whiplash. Yes. Like, that is the only other... Vi- uh, any other antagonist in a movie where I've thought, whoa, they're evil and I love love it sadistically fun right like they're like the endearingly evil i loved everything about the joker yeah and he's hands down the number one i'd even go so far to say as of right now before infinity war comes out because we haven't seen it yet Mm. joker is the best comic book villain we have ever seen on the screen i mean i can't think of anyone that's better i can't either because it's believable yeah like you don't necessarily believe any of the other villains. He doesn't have any magic powers. He's not. He's not relying on gas or anything. He's just friggin' crazy. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. What about you? Uh, my number three, the Joker introducing himself to the gangsters for the first time, is one of my favorite uh-huh. scenes uh, in comic book movies. Yeah. Uh, my number two is how seamlessly this movie fits into the narrative of the first film. Like it literally goes from the Joker card right to this movie. It's like a perfect little... Ooh, you're right. It's it's a perfect little line to it. And my number one, the MVP of this movie is Aaron Eckhart's Harvey Dent. It's not Batman, and it's not the Joker. It's Two-Face. His arc is not the flashiest, but it is the glue that holds the whole thing together. Yeah. Because Joker's plan is all about Harvey, and Batman's plan is all about Harvey. 
And so you needed a strong character to play that. And Aaron Eckhart, yeah. although cheesy at the beginning, you need that Captain America-ness of him. No, you're right. To be the White Knight turned into a Dark Knight, if you will. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, okay, on to the bottom three. Time to vent, Joel. Uh, my number three is Batman's voice. <laughs> there are so many things that he says, like, I can't hear him. Yeah. And I'm like, golly, Moses. Closed captioning. <laughs> yeah. Like, can't we have him speak in another language or put him on, like, the voice box that they do when they have the people that are in witness protection doing an interview? <laughs> I don't know. I Houston. get it, but it's it's very – it's tough sometimes to listen to. Houston, we have a problem. Um, <laughs> my number two, that it beat Robert Downey Jr. in the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that uh, Robert Downey didn't get his fair shake to uh, win that, but I do love him. And my number one, and it is legitimately my number one, mm -hmm. I hate Maggie Gyllenhaal. Just hate her, right? Gosh, she's like, no, just like in this movie. Which Gyllenhaal do you hate more, Jake or Maggie? Mm. <laughs> you got to pick one. Maggie. Maggie goes down first. Yeah. All I, right. I don't, mm, I, I forgot that I hate Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal was supposed to be one of my green, uh, green, uh, lanterns by the way that i chose yeah uh, um i don't think that he's bad i just there's never a movie that i'm like oh i love jake gyllenhaal and that yeah. oh have you seen uh nightcrawler no west told me it's or my f he's freaking creepy in it. yeah i've heard it's amazing yeah he's creepy as hell um no but maggie gyllenhaal they're like there's something that i'm like you're annoying to me I don't like, like in the all. whole movie. I'm like, you are the most annoying character in this movie, and I've never been happier that somebody died in a movie. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember them blowing up her warehouse. I was like, good. <laughs> she shouldn't have been in this movie, anyways. Like there was something about her, and I feel so bad. Like if I met Jag Maggie Gyllenhaal in person, mm -hmm. like I'm sure she is just a sweet human being, and I'm sure she's just a treat to be around. <laughs> but 16 year old me was like why and like she made me so mad that i was genuinely mad when her character died i was like good get off my screen almost lost my cool there that's a really <laughs> well-placed soundbite what are your bottom three uh my number three the bank robbery would have uh, would have a lot more spectators after a bus crashes into the bank yeah uh with phones out probably taking pictures <laughs> uh my number two scarecrow is practically an extra in this movie yeah, no, I mean, he is. He shows up at the very beginning, and it's like, you, why'd you bring Cillian Murphy on? You almost make him, he's almost like a joke. Like, yep, I got defeated. Like, yeah. a, like an old boss that shows up at the end of like a 90s video game that's just like waving, like saying, <laughs> you beat us all. <laughs> Good I, luck on your journey, champion. I look at it like uh, Watto from uh, Star Wars yeah. when Anakin comes back home and Watto's like all homeless and everything. Yeah. He's like, Hey, Annie, hey, look at you, you sprout. <laughs> you know? That was Scarecrow in this movie. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what happened to you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and my number one, Batman and Rachel falling from that skyscraper, and Rachel was fine after landing on a car without slowing down. I'm sorry. Yeah, she did. Though. Yeah. So that those are my three beefs with this movie. But uh, who's the audience, Joel? Um, the audience for this movie, honestly, I think anybody, anybody that is of age, Mm -hmm. is the audience for this movie because this is a very well done movie. Yeah. But people people that like want to give uh comic book movies a chance. I agree, yeah. That's yeah. mine. Uh, you? I comic book fans and those who know who Batman and the Joker are. Mm -hmm. If you don't know who they are at all, then you're from another planet and this isn't for you. Yeah. This movie is for everybody. It transcends the genre. It does. Uh 
So, speaking of which, it's time for our grades. Critical rating. A, B, C, D, F. In the sports film genre? No. In the comic book film <laughs> genre. That's no, been up no, since no, Moneyball. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us a grade and some comments to defend your grade, Joel. I mean... This is, I feel like it's going to be a pretty short review because this is one of the few movies that I watched not, like I almost, I was really excited to watch it, mm -hmm. but I almost didn't want to watch it because I was afraid it was going to ruin it for me. And I was afraid that I was going to see something that was going to make me nitpicky and make me see less of a movie that I really enjoyed. Yeah. But I enjoyed this movie more now watching it than I did when I was a kid. And... This movie is great. I mean, there are obviously the things that are like leaps of faith yeah. for sure. But I think that you agree to take leaps of faith when you start a comic book movie, you know? Um, because, I mean, comic books... You, there has to be a stretch of the imagination. Right. I mean, for them to come out with that many issues of a magazine and no one to be dead yet is phenomenal. Like, and, yeah. And to not have to bring them back. So it's like, uh, yes. Robins, the Robins have died. Poor Robin. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes Robin. Um, Actually, do you know the story about Jason Todd the Robin? Christopher Robin? No, not Christopher <laughs> Robin. Jason Todd was a Robin that takes over after Dick Grayson. Dick, no. Gra Dick Grayson leaves to become Nightwing. Nightwing. And so Batman picks up Jason Todd. Well, in the comics, Jason Todd was irritating. Mm -hmm. And so the, the authors of, DC, uh, of Batman put out a poll. Do you want us to kill off Jason Todd or not? And the, they all said yes. Everybody basically said yes, kill him off. And it's one of the most gruesome deaths in a comic ever. Really? The Joker captures him and tortures the shit out of him for 21 pages. Oh. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, well, he comes back. Because nobody ever dies. Nobody ever yeah, dies. Yeah, I think Jason Todd comes back, and he, I think he's called Red Hood after that. Okay. Yeah, and he ends up being a villain, going against Batman. Well, I would hope so. Because Batman never saved him. Right. Batman was he gets Batman gets there just as Todd is giving his last breath. They save him. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Well, dead, dead. In fact, in Batman v Superman, you when he's walking when you see Ben Affleck walking through the place, and you see the the Robin costume. And it says "ha ha ha" on it from the Joker. That's supposed to be Jason Todd's. I've actually I didn't mention I didn't notice that in Batman v Superman. Yeah, um, but the movie's great. The casting is amazing. The story's amazing. The flow of it all, how everything connects, is great. This is an amazing movie without being a superhero movie. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I have to honestly say, if we're going, I will watch Deadpool over and over again. But I I have to say this is this has to be the best superhero movie I've seen in my in my personal opinion, as far as like me being able to believe what's happening, invest in the characters, care about this is the thing, I care about the hero and the villain. Usually, like Wonder Woman, I can't even remember uh, the villain's name, and I loved it. Oh, Armageddon or in Wonder on Wonder Woman. Ares. It was Ares. Ares. And I don't. Got a war. <laughs> I, yeah, got a war. I don't remember the bad man. I don't remember the bad guy in Deadpool. I don't remember his name. Francis. Yes, Francis. <laughs> I'm going to spell your I name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot Francis. Um, I don't. Like, who's the bad guy in Iron Man? Ironmonger. 
Okay. Um, Never has the name. It's what's his name? It's the Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, Jeff yeah. Bridges. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> like in all these movies, I I focus so hard on the hero, I don't notice the villain. I remember everybody in this film. Oh yeah. And I think that's a true testament to what it actually is. Um, so right next to Francis, I have to put the Joker, and I especially for a superhero movie, this might be an this might be an A minus for a regular movie. But in the superhero genre, I have to give Dark Knight an A. What uh, about you? Okay, let Joe? me let me let me rock the boat here. Don't rock the boat, baby. There's a chance you might be in the wrong business, Rogers. Dip the boat over. Uh, I put my initial range for this as an A to an A minus. I knew it was going to be one of the two, and I started nitpicking the hell out of this movie. And you, it, I men in blacked myself like you did. You know, yeah. And I was like, oh God, you know, I'm seeing all this, 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 and then I remember I started reading co- a couple comic books after that because I got them on Kindle, and I was like, oh, they're all timing based. There's got to be a leap of faith there, and I kind of I watched a few more scenes before you got here again. I was like, let me just get back into it and see if it was storyboarded in a comic, would it work? And it does. Mm-hmm. It works. It is a great comic adaptation. Uh, the casting, you're right. You don't get better than what they've gotten there. Maybe you could have done better than Aaron Eckhart, but I don't know who else you put in there. Right, and he did good. Yeah. Uh, Jeff well. Goldblum, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Joker. That's, uh, that is something you have. Christopher Walken is too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's flip a coin. <laughs> um, so, yeah, casting the script is near perfect. There's only a few issues that you can nitpick on, but... You have to do the leaps of faith. You have to go, listen, the Joker doesn't actually exist. But for the sake of what the city is, he could thrive here. He, You see him rise from nobody knows who he is real fast to everybody knows who this dude is. With a couple of handheld videos and a whole lot of help from people who are corrupt all over the place. This movie is more about the corruption of the city than it is the Joker or Batman. Uh, and you're right. You, you just brought up something very fantastic, which is, you look at our top seven right now in the comic books, it's Deadpool, Francis, Iron Man, Iron Monger, Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul, and Scarecrow, which are kind of guys that most Batman fans don't know. Yeah. Casual Batman fans don't know. Yes, yes. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, Red Skull. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty forgettable. Yeah. Uh, Captain America Civil War, it was each other. Yeah. You know, it, it, the heroes it, were the villains. The, her- the heroes and the villains—they were all on different sides of. I guess the—I guess the villain was the issue. It was yeah. the issue then, it, or Baron Zemo, the guy that decided to screw everybody over. Uh, Green Lantern. Who was it in Green Lantern? Dude, I can't even remember. It, it, I honestly, he's a big can't. yellow cloud. Yeah, it, he's a uh, pollution. <laughs> it was very proactive. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. And then Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It was the all wor- the boyfriends. Well, the world. Wait, yeah, is the world the bad guys? It was all the well, no, it's the boyfriends. All the, all the. I still haven't seen it. Okay, that's that's a pretty cool movie. I know that's what you said. Yeah, it's a C, but it's a pretty cool movie. <laughs> but it's a must see. Saying that, I mean, we're we're seeing the pinnacle of the comic book movie right here, as of right now. This is like, it's Masters Weekend, right now. It won't yeah. be in about three weeks. It's Masters Weekend. This is like watching Tiger Woods mm. come back and hit birdies on every hole. It's that good. That being said, this movie is that perfect round of golf for DC. 
Marvel movies, they don't play perfect rounds of golf, but they stay in the upper 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, they never have a bad round. They just stay in those right. upper 60s. So <laughs> they're never going to have the perfect round. They're never going to have the Tiger Woods round, though. Mm-hmm. So MCU is always going to win, but this trilogy, damn. That's good. It, it spikes with this one, and depending on how you fall on the side of the third one, some people think that it's just as good. Some people think it's a, a step back, but you're going to take a step back because this movie is as perfect as it gets. Yeah. So I'm giving this an A. Yeah. So an A for you, an A for me. That makes it an A overall. Now, if we take a look here and see where exactly it ends up on the Pantheon, it looks as though we've got Deadpool at number one, and then we can we got Batman Begins with an A minus, uh, with an eleven point zero zero zero, and Green Lantern with a C plus, which was a seven point six six seven. The Dark Knight is an A, but is it better than Deadpool? Is it not? Well, we're going to put them kind of in alphabetical order right now, and then we're going to hash out where they are later on. So we're going to have Deadpool A, Dark Knight A, and then Batman Begins with an A-, and Green Lantern with a C+. Well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll look at The Dark Knight Rises for the comic book category and watch it finish the Nolan Batman movies to see where it stands in the trilogy pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro and closing music for our show sometimes. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching.